0: Contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only and not to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Today on the lab report, we're gonna do multiomics part four. You
1: dusted off the wheel, huh? I did. What do we got there? Ah, CBS cystathionine beta synthase.
0: And it is dusty in here, man. Get a Swiffer.
1: <laughs> the world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end. More answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. There's something about your face that makes me not believe you like that charming midwestern face that makes me go oh something's going on behind that little
0: it's usually nothing (laughs) there's nothing going on hello
1: hey michael chapman
0: hi patty devers
1: welcome to the lab report i
0: don't think that's a fair assessment of my face
1: no i'm just saying you have this midwestern charming little smile and i'm like "Mm, it's pretty sneaky behind that
0: it's just that just the midwestern charm (laughs) corn-fed indiana boy
1: that does not conjure up the image I have of you. Like, I think corn fed Indiana boy, I think big farm guy, and you're just spelt and cool, collected. Scrawny. Yeah, like, is that because all you eat is corn?
0: It's, it's monocropped.
1: <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> anyway, welcome to this podcast put on by Genova Diagnostics, where we talk about functional medicine, specialty <laughs> lab testing, integrative therapeutics, and corn. And, uh, and just other stuff.
1: Yeah. If you're new to this podcast and you also like corn, you should probably go to iTunes or Spotify and subscribe to this podcast. Download, rate, and review. Leave us some stars there.
0: And if you would like to provide feedback, I'm sure you would after what we just did. <laughs> you can email that to podcast at gdx.net. Uh, That's right. <laughs> exclude our supervisors on that email, please, <laughs> so we can filter it appropriately. And uh, what are we talking about today, Patty? Well,
1: you dusted off the old wheel, the multiomics wheel, and it landed on cystathionine beta synthase. So That's right. that means we're revisiting methylation a little bit here.
0: CBS. Yeah. This is an interesting one. Not the network. Correct. Right. Yeah. This is a this is an interesting one. There's a lot of talk out there about CBS. There and, is. Uh, a lot of buzz. Man, I've I've even seen some some barbs being thrown. I around. have too. Very about true. About CBS and the functional medicine community. People feel strongly
1: are, about their CBS.
0: <laughs> it's an interesting thing to get so passionate about, the biochemistry, but I can understand it because I enjoy it too.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's a very interesting place. But let's talk and remind everyone what we mean when we talk about multiomics, Michael. Let's
0: yeah, so we've got all these big words, right? Mm-hmm. Proteomics, transcriptomics, genomics, yeah. phenomics. And they are really just the study of those things, the study of genes, the study of... Proteins, study of transcription, RNA. So, is like the study of books like bibliomics? Could be. How about
1: sociology?
0: Sociomics is a thing.
1: See, are these just all made up words?
0: No, they're things. I mean, I don't know about bookomics.
1: Oh. Well, as it relates to what we're talking about here on our tests, we're going to layer the phenotypic and the genotypic markers together.
0: That's right. And when we do that, That's what we're calling multi-omics, right? Mm -hmm. And so that is uh, what we're doing is we're looking at one particular Particular. Mm SNP, in this case CBS. Mm -hmm. And we're saying, okay, what do we know about that enzyme, how it's functioning from a genetic perspective? And how is that manifesting in a phenotypic perspective by looking at the biomarkers around that enzyme?
1: And just as a reminder, again, you could go back to our prior episode where we talked about SNPs or single nucleotide polymorphisms. And what we're talking about is just a variant in the genetic blueprint of that enzyme, which may or may not manifest phenotypically because we know our genes are not our destiny. So it's important to look at the genetic information as well as the phenotypic biomarkers around that particular enzymatic SNP.
0: Particular SNP. Yeah, that's a great point because that's the whole reason why we would consider doing a multiomics mm-hmm. approach is because your genes do not make your destiny; they don't necessarily manifest, mm-hmm. and therefore you need to look at the biomarkers.
1: All right. Well, let's talk about CBS cystathionine beta synthase.
0: Go for it. What is cystathionine beta synthase? What does it do? Hmm. Why do I care?
1: CBS or cystathionine beta synthase is actually the enzyme which converts homocysteine to cystathionine.
0: Homocysteine. Okay. Right. I'm familiar with homocysteine. I am too. We run this on a lot of our serum labs to get an mm-hmm. assessment of cardiovascular disease risk. Mm-hmm. Um, what? Why does it turn into cystothionine and why does that make any difference to me?
1: Well, remembering that homocysteine is part of the methylation cycle, right? Remember that episode. And we know methylation is important for a lot of things. It's yep. that reaction that helps us to detoxify toxins and hormones. It makes and breaks down neurotransmitters, immune function a whole lot of really important physiologic processes, and homocysteine is part of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's super popular because we talk about approaching methylation with various B vitamins, supplementation, folate, right. uh, trimethylglycine, all these things to try and improve methylation and the methylation status of individuals from a detoxification perspective. Okay, so homocysteine is part of that. Right. So what is So what does CBS do with respect to methylation? Well...
1: Homocysteine itself
0: sits at a very important branch
1: point between the reaction of methylation and something called transsulfuration. Yeah, okay. So transsulfuration is the reaction that's needed to make glutathione for detoxification and also to feed the Krebs cycle for energy. Okay.
0: So I think about like a sink drain.
1: Oh, here we go.
0: So another Michael Chapman there's water there in the sink, okay. right? And, it's, and that, that just uh-huh. kind of hangs out. And that's an idea of the methylation cycle. These things are going around and these metabolites are going around and around. In and the around. sink? In the sink, yeah. And there's a drain at the bottom of the sink. Okay. And CBS is that drain. It's the plug. Hmm. So if it's open just a little bit, if CBS is working at a certain speed, it's periodically draining the sink.
1: Okay, well, that one actually wasn't too bad. Things. <laughs> so the importance of that CBS enzyme can't be overstated because it really is an enzyme that pulls homocysteine down to transsulfuration irreversibly.
0: And there's lots of things that govern how open that, that drain is, mm-hmm. right? So you can have it open full stop. You can have it open part of the way. And genetics are going to determine that as well as other activators, inhibitors of the CBS enzyme.
1: Right. And there are specific cofactors to CBS, things like vitamin B6 and Which is iron. going right. to
0: impact how effective the drain is, how mm-hmm. effective the enzyme is. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the genomic aspects, the SNP aspects to CBS.
1: Okay. Well, remembering back when we talked about SNPs, there are two alleles one comes from your mom one comes from your dad and if you have a variant in one they call that heterozygous if you get two variants one from your mom and one from your dad it's homozygous and we also remember that to have a variant can either upregulate an enzyme or speed it up or yeah. downregulate an enzyme and slow it down yeah but it can also or do f- nothing
0: right and there's not just one SNP as it relates to an enzyme. Mm-hmm. This is another important point, right? So we're measuring on the methylation panel, we're measuring one CBS SNP, and, and it's one SNP out of hundreds.
1: Yeah, there's hundreds of SNPs. We yeah. chose one called C699T.
0: Yeah, and we chose that one because there's some clinical evidence on it. It's, it's documented. It's pretty well represented in the literature, um, but not without some contention either. And this specific SNP is really interesting because it actually does not change the protein structure of the enzyme. Wait,
1: wait, wait, what? Yeah. I thought SNPs, there's an amino acid substitution. Like, that's what the C and the T stand for, or the A and the T, that there's an amino acid substitution.
0: Can be. A -hmm. lot of SNPs, there is, you know, there's an amino acid substitution like... So you're building the protein, you're going along, and essentially how this works is when you're building a protein, it's like here's an alanine goes here, here's a tryptophan goes here, here a methionine goes here, and you're you're taking these amino acids and you're building them together like building blocks. Mm -hmm. And so with a SNP, you're like here's a tryptophan goes here, here's a cysteine goes here, here's a methionine. Oh, no, not a methionine anymore. Now it's an alanine Mm -hmm. or something like that. Right. And so what we're saying is that that is oftentimes what happens with SNPs is an amino acid is replaced with a different one, which changes the actual protein structure. Sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse, sometimes... Not at all. Not at all. It doesn't have any effect. Right. But in this case, the actual SNP changes the amino acid from a, from a tyrosine to a tyrosine. That makes no sense. Yeah, it's called a silent mutation. Shh.
1: Well, if it's silent, why do we care? It must be making some kind of noise.
0: Exactly, right? Mm-hmm. You would think it has no effect on the enzyme's function. But it turns out that silent mutations can affect the enzyme because it can alter what's called their tertiary structure. It alters the way that they are folded and bent and, and their overall kind of conformation. So there there is evidence to suggest that it can still have an effect. And in this case, the evidence suggests that it... at this location increases the action, the activity of the CBS enzyme. So it
1: can potentially upregulate the enzyme.
0: That's right. Which is important because of
1: where it sits in this branch point. So it would be irreversibly pulling homocysteine down into transsulfuration at the expense of methylation.
0: Yeah, so if you think about this drain analogy, then it can... Uh, effectively open the drain a little bit wider, theoretically, Mm -hmm. such that metabolites, homocysteine, is flowing down into transulfuration at a, a little bit of a faster clip.
1: And you might think, okay, well, great, we're clearing homocysteine, but if you remember, we do need homocysteine to keep the methylation cycle moving as well.
0: And there's always a set point there's always feedback loops in these systems, right? So we'll talk a little bit about that in a second, but I think it's important to note that there is some controversy around this and there has been some speculation that in some populations, Mm -hmm. there's actually a down regulation with this individual SNP. And so, you know, it goes back to maybe this SNP is actually tied to other SNPs. Maybe Mm. there's a, what we call a haplotype effect where uh, this has been compensated for maybe overcompensated for by other SNPs around that area if you actually it's interesting if you go and do the nerdy digging in db snip uh, database snip which is by the nih and look at all the individual SNPs that are in this gene around that location they're all over the place it's crazy. So, there's a lot going on right at that location in the gene, and uh, it's population specific. So, yeah, there is. And we've some, talked about
1: that before on this podcast that, you know, depending on what population you're studying, SNPs can do different things. So, that's an important point.
0: Yeah. And so, it goes to show that, again, if you have a SNP, you can't always say, oh, you've got this CBS SNP, your drain's wide open, and you're draining all the metabolites. You have to look at the metabolites to determine, to make that assessment, to, to complete the story. Okay, so since we're about to get into the metabolites Right Around the CBS enzyme and the CBS SNP Okay So it turns homocysteine into cystothionine. Right Let's talk about cystothionine.
1: Great idea, let's do better know a biomarker
0: Hold on, let me hit this button real fast here
1: Oh no, what button? You
0: think you, you think know? know? You think you know your biomarkers? You don't know you don't know, you don't your, know biomarkers. your biomarkers. This is, this is Better
1: Know Biomarkers. Wow. Yeah? I, I, I don't know what to say. Say about what? That's got to be the most ridiculous segment opener you have yet. I love it so much. I don't know what to say.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of amphitheaters that are just available now to record these <laughs> sort of things and get a, you can get a rock band for pretty cheap, so. Wow, wow. So let's talk about cystathionine. Well,
1: my problem is now I'm afraid it's not gonna live up to the hype.
0: Oh, it will, <laughs> cystathionine is a big <laughs> deal.
1: Well, cystathionine, as you recall, is the end product from when homocysteine gets acted on by CBS, turns into cystathionine. Okay. So in this episode, we think, all right, well let's talk about cystathionine. But if you remember, Cystothionine then becomes cysteine and then goes through transulfuration. And so, cystothionine is really just an intermediate step in transulfuration. Okay. So, the problem is there's really no source or known physiologic function to even have cystothionine other than to be an intermediate in this transulfuration pathway.
0: So, it's relatively inert is you, what you're yeah, saying. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You would think, and you're like, well, then... You know, why are we paying so much attention to it? And I think importantly, number one, we look at it to kind of look and see what CBS is doing because it is that next byproduct. But additionally, there is some literature to suggest that cystothionine might actually protect against endoplasmic reticulum stress induced tissue damage. Really? And cell death. But.
0: Oh, okay. And that.
1: But the studies are sparse. There's not a lot of literature because really no one cares about cystathionine, apparently. But maybe they should start paying better attention to it.
0: Yeah, and we're going to start talking a lot more about this concept of ER stress. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. However, in the meantime, yeah, you're right. So cystathionine is related in... as is related to this entire process because it's the byproducts, the end product of CBS and conversion of homocysteine. So if you're looking at it from a multiomic approach, cystothionine is going to give you information about if you have a CBS SNP, how fast CBS is working, especially how that concentration of cystothionine relates to like your levels of SAM and SAW and how that's balanced from a methylation cycle perspective.
1: I do want to point out though, that not all elevated cystathionines mean CBS SNP. Yeah. Because downstream from cystathionine, there are many steps through transsulfuration that require other vitamin and mineral cofactors, uh, things uh-huh. like B6 and zinc, and other things like glycine and cysteine and magnesium. So, if there are lack of cofactors downstream from cystathionine, it could potentially elevate cystathionine for that reason as well.
0: Yeah, and especially it's a very B6-dependent pathway. So a lot of times when cystathionine is elevated, we think about that. Um, The other thing to think of, too, is what are the activators, inhibitors of the CBS enzyme? What are some things that are going to drive Mm. CBS to create more or less cystathionine, right? And so if cystathionine, we just talked about cystathionine potentially being high when the pathway is all backed up due to lack of cofactors, but what else could cause cystathionine to be high from a CBS activation perspective, maybe a CBS SNP like the mm-hmm, one we're testing, right, right. but what else?
1: Well, we also know that SAM is also an inducer of the CBS enzyme. So high levels of SAM in the methylation cycle kind of signal to say, we're good up here. It's okay to open that drain a little bit and, and go down into transulfuration to make glutathione.
0: And the other thing I think about is oxidative stress free radical exposure is also going to induce the CBS enzyme to produce more cystathionine from homocysteine because it's reacting to free radicals and is saying, look, we need more glutathione on board. Mm -hmm. We need to get this transsulfuration pathway moving, so get CBS moving, and that's kind of how another reason why you might see an elevated cystathionine.
1: Right. So not all cystathionine elevations are CBS SNP. There are all these factors to consider.
0: Yeah. Okay, so that's when CBS is or when cystathionine is on the higher side. What about low cystathionine?
1: Well if you think about it, if high levels of SAM induce CBS, yeah. low levels of SAM or a poor methylation status might want to keep things up into the methylation cycle and not be pulled down irreversibly to transulfuration. So poor methylation status or low SAM would eventually result in a low cystathionine, But then also, if you think about what are the cofactors for the CBS enzyme, right? B6 and iron. That's right. So if you have insufficient B6 or iron, it's possible you have a lower cystothionine because that conversion isn't taking place very well.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And so if we go back to our drain analogy, okay. let me try this one more time. Go ahead. So the drain is open at a set point, and that's the natural steady state of CBS, And depending on the availability of cofactors, how much oxidative stress there is, how much SAM there is, all these things are going to slightly open or close the drain accordingly. And so that's going to just gently affect how much of the homocysteine is flowing down into transulfuration.
1: Well, you know what time it is, Michael?
0: Oh, what time is it? It's time for question of the day. And I'll tell
1: you that you were so successful with your introduction of the prior segment that I'm hoping you've fixed our jingle for question of the day.
0: Fixed it? Oh no. Oh. Have I fixed it? If you recall uh-huh. the last time that we talked about this, uh-huh. you challenged me I did. to come up with a new jingle. Yeah they're
1: getting stale and old and boring.
0: So l- let me just say uh uh-huh. I've fixed it.
1: Here we go. question question of question 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 of day wow it certainly is fancy <laughs> thanks <laughs> I, I i don't love it okay but i also don't hate it all right it is fancy i, I think th- that's the best word i can come up with here
0: Look, i'll take that as a win
1: all right, well, here is the actual que- question of the day, and thank you to whoever emailed this to us, podcast at gdx.net. Yeah, thanks. Well, some people say that a CBS SNP causes elevated ammonia levels or hyperammonemia.
0: I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard is that. Is that true? I've never seen that in the literature. Okay. Um, I don't know that that's something that's been tested clinically. So if it is something that, somebody's actually run an ammonia level on people who have SNPs versus has, hasn't, doesn't have SNPs. Uh, that would be really interesting information to have. So like email that to podcast at gdx.net. I am not of the belief that a CBS snip is going to create such a dramatic alteration such as to cause hyperammonemia. Um, I think ha- your the urea cycle is going to be able to compensate for these subtle changes that are going that would occur with the CBS SNP. So the system is used to handling a lot of upregulation in the transulfuration cycle, which in and of itself creates more ammonia and that's that's handled. And so I don't think that this genetic SNP is going to cause something that is so far outside the realm of normal physiology that it would lead to High ammonia levels. That's that's my personal belief in looking at the biochemistry and looking at the literature or the lack thereof. I guess I should say. Great. Okay, so we've talked a lot about CBS, what it does, Mm -hmm. and kind of the ins and outs. Uh, But how do you, if you're wanting to evaluate CBS activity or CBS function in your patient, how do you do that?
1: Well, here at Genova, we have this amazing profile called the methylation panel. It is amazing, isn't it? Is, it is its right? And, you know, it, it's a blood draw and also a buccal swab to look for the genomic material. And we layer the genotypic information right on top of the phenotypic biomarker measurements. And it, within the midst of the methylation panel, we do measure the CBS SNP. Yeah. We also measure all the biomarkers around this SNP, like cystothionine, homocysteine, et cetera.
0: Yeah, so it's a multi-omics approach to mm-hmm. CBS. So if you have a SNP, then you can look at homocysteine, you can look at cystothionine, and you can even zoom out a little bit and look at the overall balance between the methylation cycle and the transulfuration cycle. What if you do find imbalances? What what are some of the things that you might think about from a treatment standpoint to help address CBS dysfunction? Great question.
1: And I think, okay, we you know that, that a SNP upregulates. And if you look at some of those phenotypic markers, and you see evidence that, in fact, it is manifesting, one thing that I always start with is I want to look at the methylation cycle. I want to make sure to support methylation because it's so important. So I'm looking at, you know, is there poor methylation status? Is there something I need to support there first?
0: Perfect. And if so, find the root cause. Is it a need for folate? Is it a need for B12? Maybe a little bit of choline, betaine, things like that to help assist the backup pathways for methylation. Uh, That's great. Okay.
1: The other thing I think about is we know that cystathionine, because we got to better know that biomarker, we know that it's just an intermediate dipeptide, and we know that downstream of that, it's used to then make glutathione or to feed the Krebs cycle to make energy. So if you have a CBS SNP and cystathionine is high, it might be helpful to kind of support those downstream pathways with cofactors to help clear it to make glutathione or energy, and that's things like vitamin B6, magnesium, zinc.
0: Yeah. And then the last thing you think about is the CBS enzyme is regulated by free radicals and antioxidants. Um, So you want to look at how much oxidative stress there is on board and whether the CBS enzyme is compensating for exogenous free radical oxidative stress. So that's the last thing I'd be thinking about and and look at glutathione, um, maybe look at some of the other elements. You could think about some of the markers on a neutrophil like lipid peroxides or Mm -hmm. 8-O-HDG, which are going to tell you about oxidative stress damage. um, And and that might be something to think about. Right. So what we're getting to is you don't just treat the enzyme Mm -hmm. and you may not even just treat the homocysteine or the cystathionine, the biomarkers around the enzyme. You've got to you got to zoom out. you got to look at all these factors that regulate the CBS enzyme. So it becomes uh, more of a complex assessment. But at the end of the day, you're getting to a biochemical root cause, right? That's right. So I think we did it. Maybe we should uh, put this wheel away. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well,
1: Maybe just put it back under the table. Okay. It's so dusty under that. there,
0: though. Well, it's just, we'll dust it next time it we need it. Okay. That's okay. Okay, I'll keep that in mind. Dust it before we spin it. Please. Next time on The Lab Report, I call in from the beach.
1: Oh, come on, another vacation?
0: Kids get vacation. Parents, they just supervise.
1: Mm. You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. Speaking of like that, Indiana corn-fed thing, do you like creamed corn?
0: Ugh. No.
1: Oh my God, I love cream corn. No,
0: I don't like the combination of sugar and vegetables.
1: You just eat the corn right off the cob? Yeah. Mm.
0: Savory, butter, salt. Mm. Okay. Don't put sugar. Stop putting sugar in your vegetables. It's gross. It's good though. It's gross.